0: So before I even get into what we're going to talk about today, um, welcome back. Uh, so we have a new revised podcasting podcasting schedule. So for right now, I podcast on Tuesdays and Fridays. But um, I'm starting college next week, um, so my my schedule is going to change a little bit. Not much. It's not going to be drastic, but it's going to change a little bit in the podcasting days. You can expect episodes to come out on Wednesday. Saturday, Wednesday and Saturday going into next week because I start uh, college. I start college next week. I start my actual courses. It's online. Kind of a bummer. But I start uh, regardless. This podcasting schedule is going to be a little bit different. It's going to be for, instead of Tuesdays, it's going to be Wednesdays instead of Fridays. It's going to be Saturdays. So now our podcasting schedules after this week is Wednesdays. In Saturdays. But um, let's get into it. We got the NBA playoffs to talk about. NBA playoffs. We are in the midst of the playoffs. A lot of great, I mean, we have a lot of, I mean, sports is fully packed. We got got baseball going on, NBA playoffs, NFL training camp, some big time injuries. Uh, I'm going to talk about that a little bit too with the Cowboys. Um, You know, still got some dispute over college football. I'm going to talk about that a little bit. But we got a big one tonight, we got some big games, there some great games on last night, uh, some great individual performances uh, from yesterday's games, I expect to see a little bit, more, I expect to see more of that today, we're going to get into it with this, uh, let's start it up, we're we start it up, welcome back, welcome back, episode 146, episode 146 of the IKB, Let's start it up, let's start it up, let's start it up How's everybody doing out there? Stay safe, stay healthy Okay, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode. Another episode of the IKP, episode 146, I think, yeah, episode 146 of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. I'm your humble and highly favored host, Isaiah Kid. Shout out to all the people that's listening. Shout out to all the first-time listeners. Shout out to all the uh, college kids that's listening. Shout out to all the everyday workers that's listening. Shout out to everybody that's listening. Shout out to all, all to the last-time listeners. Shout out to the first-time and last-time listeners. We're going to get into it. NBA playoffs right here, right now. Um so that's about Portland. Portland Portland LA plays tonight. Uh that's the mark that's the marquee matchup for tonight. You know, everybody I, I you know I'm interested in the Miami and uh Indiana series. I'm interested in the into the OKC and Houston series. I think both of those series can be compelling, and I think those might go the distance. Um but let's talk about Portland LA. Portland LA. So it's a split difference right here. Um, you know, I've been I've been critical of the Lakers over the last over the last few weeks, and uh have I been a little bit too skeptical, a little bit too critical? Mm, maybe. Um uh, because let's think about it. When the Lakers came into the bubble, when the Lakers came into the bubble going into Orlando, they had a five and a half game lead over the Clippers. So it was kind of it was kind of solidified that they were gonna have the number one seed. They beat the Clippers the first game back in the bubble um, after, the scrim- after all the scrimmages and so forth. They beat, the- they beat the Clippers, and they played really hard that night. Like def- On the defense side of the ball, they played really hard. Offensively, they haven't shot the ball well. That's been the trend over the last eight games in the bubble um, for the most part. But they played hard against the Clippers, and after that win— it's kind. It's getting kind of a downhill turn. They they lost a few games. Lost a close. They lost a few close games, and so forth to some good teams, to some playoff teams. Um, they 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 play teams like Toronto, uh, Indiana, and so forth. They play some difficult teams. OKC. Okay, they play some really good playoff teams. Um, these are playoff teams. But can we absolutely say? You know, given what the Blazers have done, which has been great, you know, since entering back into this bubble, they have been healthy. Damian Leonard, uh, he's been playing on a different level, and he's right now on a different stratosphere. He's been by far the best player in the bubble. Um, and Portland has, that. you know, these last nine, these last eight or nine games, they have been playoff games. These The, the last nine games that they have played, have been playoff games. They've been they have been played. Uh, I've been watching Portland. I've, I've watched Portland's every game. I've been watching Portland every game, and they play hard. They've been playing. Uh, they've been playing a lot, and every single game has been a playoff game. And for the Lakers, hasn't really been. You know, Lakers already had their spot clinched. You know, they they're they they're, they're back at the hotel playing Madden, having Madden tournaments, and so forth. And it's just a – it's a – you know, both teams are in two different circles, two different lanes. Dame is averaging 41 minutes a night. LeBron is playing 31 minutes a night. And I must say this. Look, like I said, Portland has had a great run. They've had a great run. But the last few games, first, they, Portland can't play defense. Like, I've been getting – I've been critical of the Lakers – uh, perimeter defense. I mean, their defense, their perimeter defense. I mean, it's not great, and they could use Avery Bradley in a series like this, obviously. But the the the, the trails the Trailblazers' defense is horrible. They've been they gave they gave up. I think they they gave, they've been giving up 123 points on a nightly basis. So they, they like they're not playing a liquidy, and their perimeter defense is not good. It's probably. Even worse than the Lakers, if you want to be honest. It's probably even worse. i seen them play against Brooklyn. They nearly lost. That Memphis play, the, like, the, the playing game versus Memphis. Memphis outplayed Portland for some great stretches of that game. Memphis outplayed Portland. And Memphis is young, athletic, they're quick. But Memphis, like, even Memphis, even though they lost, They outplayed Portland for for a long stretch throughout that game, especially in the third quarter. Portland had trouble putting Memphis away. You know, Portland has exhausted so much energy in trying to first get into the eighth spot and then happen to try to keep the eighth spot and stay in the playoff race where the Lakers are fully... Rested and ready to go. I still think Portland is going to present some problems to the Lakers. Uh, I think the Lakers still have perimeter problems as far as defending the perimeter. And I think Dame and CJ McCollum, I think they do a pretty good job at exploiting that. But also, on the flip side, like I said, the Blazers have Defensive issues of their own, and I think they may be actually worse because who's guarding LeBron James? He, he, like the Blazers, Terry Scott, Terry Styles, he, he, he don't have many options as far as who's guarding LeBron James. He doesn't have many options. Um it's, I think it's, I think he's gonna have to go with Carmelo Anthony to guard and to defend LeBron James. So you know, I think you know, like I said, the Lakers still have their problems. Um, I think the Lakers. I'm and I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you guys my prediction um, once I'm done with my soliloquy. But I think the Lakers, they still have defensive problems on the perimeter, but their interior defense is solid. Um, I don't you know we got to see if I don't know how offensively they will look. I don't know what Kyle Kuzma I will get tonight. Hopefully it's the Kyle Kuzma. That we saw against Denver, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I just don't know which Kyle Kuzma I'm gonna get. I don't know, um, if, if, if I don't know if Danny Green and uh, guys like Alex Caruso, uh, Dion Waiters, KCP, are they gonna hit open jump shots? I don't know, but I think LeBron's gonna have a big series. I think LeBron is gonna play well because the Blazers. Quite frankly, don't have nobody that can guard or defend him. I think Anthony Davis will play well as well. Um, I had the Lakers in six games. I got the Lakers in six games. I think Portland will present some problems. Uh, like I said, Dame and CJ—they're going to exploit the Lakers' the perimeter defense like that. Like that's clearly a weakness of the Lakers. Portland's going to exploit that because Dame is playing out of his mind right now. CJ is playing out of his mind despite being hurt. So I think the Lakers will have to, they, like, that's going to be a, a issue. <laughs> but I think overall, the La- like, in the playoff series, uh, you know, the N- in the NBA in the playoff series, I always say the better team always wins. Like, al- al- like, almost always in a playoff series, the better team always wins. And I think the Lakers, um, they're the better team. They're the one see, for a reason. They are a better team than the Blazers. Uh, I can see that. You know. I, you know. This series. When people say four games, I think that's a that's a that's a bit of a reach. Um, people are picking. Some people are picking Portland. That's kind of a reach. But I would. I, you know. I think this is a six game series between the Blazers and the Lakers. I think the. I think the big difference is the Blazers. Literally. 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 They have nobody on the on on, on on the perimeter that can defend. Like Dame, not a great defender. Um he tries, though. CJ McCollum, not the best defender, plus he's hurt. Uh Gary Trenju, not the best defender. Carmelo Anthony, like, these are all average to below average defenders. I think and I think that's going to be the big difference between <laughs> the Blazers and the Lakers, or like the Lakers beating the Blazers in six games is because they can't defend. Like, the Blazers don't play defense at all. They don't. The Lakers have their struggles on defense, but the Blazers struggle. Like, it's they, they allow 100, 123 points a night. Too much. I think that's going to be too much. Um, and plus, when the Lakers, like, yeah, I think that's too much. You're giving up 100, that's too much. Plus, they had trouble putting away Brooklyn and Memphis. Give me a break. Come on. They had trouble putting away Brooklyn and Memphis. There isn't such thing as good losses and bad wins. And I think we've seen a string of that with the Blazers. Like, they have exhausted everything. They've played in a lot of close games. Uh, you know, big-time playoff atmosphere uh, for the last nine games in intensity. And they've hit some big shots down the stretch. But they, I mean, they, like, Brooklyn, I mean, for the, for the most part, Memphis outplayed Portland in that game. So, we'll see. We'll, we, we, you know, only time will tell. I can't wait for the game tonight, though. Um, you know, it's going to be real interesting to see what happens in game one of that series. So, throughout this bubble, I've been talking about the young stars. It, it, you know, this bubble, let's, you know, this bubble has shown us the young stars. I mean, so, uh, young emerging stars. Michael Porter Jr., I've been always high on Michael Porter Jr. in Denver. Uh, 6'10", small forward, uh, can shoot, athletic, mobile. Like I've been always high on him. He's always had back injuries. But <clears throat> the young stars that we saw on display yesterday, Don Mitchell with 57, Jamal Murray had a, a, a breakout. I mean, he had a big-time performance. Down the stretch, uh, Luka, Tatum, all, I mean, all four guys played well, and they're all young. And this is the first. This is actually what. Get this. This is actually the first time in NBA history that four players under twenty five scored over thirty points on the same day in the playoffs. Four four players under twenty five scored more than thirty in the playoffs on the same day. First time ever. Uh, and it shows you just how great the league is and with its young players. Uh, now, now with the Clippers. So this this is this is it's trending everywhere. And with with the Clippers and Mavericks game last night, first uh, the Clippers are going to win the series. It's not going to be easy. Um, M- Dallas they finished the, they finished the season off as the they had the highest of, uh, they had the highest offensive, of, uh, rating in NBA history ever. So Dallas offensively, it's a fireworks show. they they they're, they're fun to watch. I'm going to talk about I'm going to talk about Perzingis and that situation and how I thought they I how I thought that should have went down. Um now let's talk about the Clippers. Clippers last night, they you know they started off well. It was a it was, it was it's a game of runs. Basketball is truly a game of runs. Started off well, got off to an 18 to 2 lead. I mean, it I mean from that start right there, it looked like it looked like the Clippers just they just they pounced on Luka and the Mavs. After that, the Mavs went on a 48 to 18 run. In the next quarter, the next throughout the next quarter, like Dallas went on a 48 to 14 run. Then late down the stretch in the fourth quarter, once Porzingis got ejected, it kind of you could you could just tell it kind of took the life out of Dallas. The Clippers shut they you know, they, they locked up defensively. Defense got tight. Paul George, Kawhi making plays on the offensive end, and the Clippers just did what they did, you know, came through late, late in the game, got stops, clutch shots, you know. It, it, they're just showing why they are a legitimate championship contender in the favorites. With Dallas, I've been watching, and I'm a big fan of Dallas. I, I like the Mavericks, and, I, and, I, and I'm big on Luka. Um, and I've been watching them a lot. I've watched a lot of Mavericks games. But they can't close games, you know. Down the stretch of these close games, because the playoffs—let's just let's just be honest—the playoffs is close. It's a, it's it, it, there's a lot of close games. Most of these playoff games are decided in the closing, in the last five minutes of the fourth quarter. That's where most of these playoff games are decided by. And when I was watching Dallas, or, or throughout the year. They, you know, they're young and experienced. They have a lot of playoff experience. Their best player is twenty years old. So, and Luke and and then Perzingis is not much older. So it's it's a lot of youth. It's a lot of youth and young, and not you know, inexperienced, not knowing. But they can't close games. Dallas in close games, two two and twelve. They're two and twelve in close games, and I I don't think I've seen them win a close game this year. And the games I watch. I haven't seen him win a close game this year because I, I, you know it's a lot of inexperience. Even with Luca, inexperience—you know—he's great. Luka's great. Um, got off to a rough start. Had five turnovers in like the five, first five minutes. But this is what this is. That's that's just word that you know that just worries me with Dallas. You know, I think for the Clippers, it's the perfect it's the perfect first round matchup. Like, it's not easy. But Dallas, they're great offensively. Like I said, they finished off the season with the highest offensive rating in league history. So they're great. I mean, offensively, they're great, and it could present a lot of problems. Um, But defensively, Dallas don't play none. So the Clippers, they're going to have their way on offense because Dallas don't play no defense. But the three-point makes, you know, they made like, I think Dallas made like 12, 13 three-pointers in the first half. In the fourth quarter, they made one three-pointer. Like last five minutes, you can just tell. Go back and look at the last five minutes of last night's game. That the Clippers locked down. They they locked down. Um and it you know, like I said, it shows you why the Clippers are a legit threat to win the title. It shows you why they're they're most people's favorites to win the title. Uh because because of what they could do on the defensive side of the ball. And get this. Out of the seventy-three games that the Clippers played. This was only the 13th game where they had everybody healthy. And it, 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 I, know that, I know that was just for Clipper fans. I know that was just a sight to see, just everybody healthy on the same page. Because they have not had that all year long. The Clippers have been missing that all year long. They've been missing, you know, guys in and out of lineup, guys leaving the bubble, so forth. They finally got everybody back on the one, one accord for only the 13th time. In 73 games, uh, good sight to see for the Clippers. I know Clipper fans were happy. I know some Maverick fans weren't happy. Now let's discuss Porzingis and the technical fouls and the ejection. So the first technical foul, Porzingis got. He got Porzingis. They. they um, I think the refs they called the foul on Porzingis for a block attempt. Now in my opinion, I think that's a. Gr- I think that's a great block attempt. I thought. I thought that was a. I thought that was a clean. I thought that was a clean block by Prazingis, and he had every right to be mad. Um and now the antics after the block attempt, you know, he he threw the he, you know, he threw the fist pump in the air. I don't think that deserved the technical. I didn't I, you know, I, I you know, it's the playoffs, high emotion. I don't I don't think that deserved the technical. Refs gave him a, his first technical. Okay. Then you move on to the Marcus Moores and a, um Luka Doncic situation where basically Porzingis is the third party, and we know this. It, or if you don't know, in in an NBA, like the, you know, when there's a conflict going on, and when that third party enters, we the NBA try to look for that third party to de-escalate the situation. According to the refs last night, Porzingis didn't de-escalate the situation; he actually escalated the situation. And that's what granted him the second technical. Now, I, I understand that's the rule book. And it seems like the NBA, like, they're, they're, they, they, do, they do not want, they don't want the fights. Like, they don't, want a ne- they don't want another malice in the palace, even though you can't get another malice in the palace right now because there's no fans, but so forth. The NBA, they, they, they just don't want fighting. They, 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 they don't want fighting. They, they, they don't want punches thrown. They just don't want it. Like, if you leave the bench, if you even leave the bench, it's one-game suspension. In other sports, you, like in baseball, you see players leave the dugout. You leave the whole, you, you see the whole club jump out of the dugout when, when, when conflicts like that happen. NBA, if you leave the bench, if you move one inch, you're suspended for one game. So, NBA's tight. Um, but by rule, Luke Porzingis should have gotten that technical. That first technical, I think, was a bit bogus. And, yeah, of course, he shouldn't have been thrown out. Clippers caught a break. Didn't really, you know, it really, I, I felt like it really impacted the uh, the Mavericks down the stretch. Like, after they lost him, you know, it, it, you know they just, it, it seemed like they just lost. You know, it seems, you know, they look lost. It You know, Luka played well. I must say, Luka played well. He had 42 points, 11 turnovers, but young First playoff game ever, even though he's been playing, he's played in playoff games overseas, but something different and the Clippers blitzed him. So um, yeah, great playoff games last night. Um, So we got some great playoff games on the docket today. Let's move on to the Denver Nuggets and the Utah Jazz. Um, I was watching that game last um, in the afternoon and coming into that series, that's an interesting series. And I thought, and I think if Utah was healthy, they had Bogdanovich. If they had Mike Conley, if Utah was fully healthy, this series would probably be a seven-game series. Donovan Mitchell played out of his mind. He had fifty-seven. Now he played. You know, he was great down the stretch until the Jazz had a 4 And I think this is this is really critical. This is really cri- critical, and this is really a momentum shift because until the. And, and, down the stretch, a minute and 50 to go. The Jazz are up four. Don Mitchell comes down. He has the eight-second violation. Denver gets the ball back. Denver cuts the lead to one. If Don Mitchell doesn't have the eight-second violation, Utah could possibly go up by six. And I think Utah, they, I mean, that's a, that's a I mean, up six with a minute and fifty left. That that sounds like a win. That sounds like that sounds like a win to me. So you know the game goes into overtime, and like I said, this is just this is just a quick overview of that series because I like Utah. I like both teams. I like Utah. I like Denver. Uh, I think Denver for the next you know one, I think you know I think they beat Utah. Um, I don't think Utah has the offensive firepower to keep up with Denver. Like you know, it, it was Donovan Mitchell a bust. Joe Ingles played well. Woody Gobert could have played a little bit better, but you know, Utah don't have enough. They don't have enough offensive firepower. Denver has Jokic, Mary, Michael Porter Jr. They got some. They got some guys coming off the bench. Monte Morris, he played well. Uh, Jaron Grant, he was hitting shots. You know, the, the the Nuggets just have so many guys. Toy Craig, they have so many guys that can hit shots. Um, they got MP, MP, um, MP MPJ uh, Michael Porter Jr. They got they got some guys. They, they just got guys that can hit a lot of shots. And I think they're one of the more interesting teams in this playoff. I don't know if Utah can keep up with them. Uh, you know, I don't I don't think Utah can keep up with them. I think this series is maybe five games, six games, maybe six games, but I'm leaning more towards five games. I think Denver could absolutely present problems to the Clippers uh, with Jokic being an inside force. Um, And the Clippers, obviously, that's the weakness of their defense is the interior. I think Denver could absolutely present some problems along with them being able to shoot the three. Uh, but that's gonna be an interesting series. But I must say, Donovan Mitchell played well. He couldn't have played any better. I just think that late turnover down the stretch. I think that was very beneficial, and it, it, I think it might have cost them that game one. Uh, because I like how they were playing uh, going in down the stretch, of the fourth quarter, especially Donovan Mitchell hitting some big shots, getting yeah, doing what needed to do. Uh, <clears throat> so let's shift on to the NFL. So, most teams are in pads for training camp. You know, it was good to see these teams. Players look happy. You know, play, you, know you, have your, you have, you know, some players opting out. Uh, the Patriots seeing a lot of opt-outs. But, for the most part, players look happy. They look thrilled to be back on the field. I know now I've been seeing some players explain and describe, you know, how different this training camp is due to COVID and these Zoom calls and so forth. But, overall... These players, look These players look happy. So I want to talk about the team right here, the Cowboys. I talk, I talk, I talk about the Cowboys quite often. And um, all throughout the off season, we've been talking about Dak and the Cowboys' salaries and the salary cap and how like we've been talking about the Cowboys' financial situation as far as with Dak, but the Cowboys they're paying a lot of guys and offensively they look good they, offensively on paper they look good they got you know they got Dak they got Amari Cooper, CD Lamb, Zeke, Michael Gallup they, they they like offensively you know it's a new they're going to have to you know, Dak is going to have to adjust to Mike McCarthy and vice versa but for the most part with this offense and with the weapons and with the personnel that they have I think we can expect the Cowboys to have a top 10 offense in the league. It's going to it's I think they're going to they're going to produce a lot of yards, a lot of points and so forth. You know, they should, they, at least they should. Now with Dak, I don't you know, you know, some of you guys are still shaking on Dak. I'm still shaking on Dak, but with this personnel like he sh- he-, he should be able to do something with this personnel. He should be able to put up points. With this personnel, with this squad that he has on offense, he should be able to put up points. But with the, and, I, and you know, when, I'm talk, when we talk about the Cowboys and their financial situation, we always, we always talk, or I always talk about how top heavy they are. The Cowboys are so top heavy where they're paying Demarcus Lawrence, they're paying Zeke, they're paying Dak, uh, even though it's a one year deal, they're paying Amari Cooper. They're paying they all these guys. Jalen Smith. They're paying all these guys. The Cowboys are paying all these guys. And when, when when and when you're so top heavy in a hard cap league that the NFL is, which we always talk about, you are you, you have to find you, you you often find yourself relying and going out and taking a chance on signing uh, veterans or guys with shaky personalities. And that's what the Cowboys did all, this offseason. The Cowboys went out and signed guys like HaHa Clinton Dix, veteran, uh, Gerald McCoy, solid veteran, six-time pro bowler, and so forth. And that's what I want to talk about. Gerald McCoy, uh, first day of, you know, of practice, uh, you know, in pads and so forth. First workout, you know, he's doing a little drill. Boom. He gets hurt. Season, he got to have season-ending ending, um, surgery. So that's a, obviously a negative for the Cowboys, and like I said, when you're so when you're when you're, when, you're, when you're so top heavy like the Cowboys, and when you're paying a lot of a lot when you're paying a lot of guys big time money, you're gonna have to take a chance on veterans, um, and that's what Gerald McCoy was. Now Gerald McCoy, you know he's 32 years of age. He's a six, like I said, six time Pro Bowler. He's been fairly productive, but like he's thirty-two years of age. He had a. He had, he's gonna have to have quad surgery. Uh, what does he look like? And you know that's just a, that's a question for later on next year. But the Cowboys off. I, I talk about the Cowboys lack of depth. The Cowboys don't have any depth. They they, they when, like I said when you're paying guys big time money. You lack depth, and what the Cowboys are gonna do this year? It seems like from their free agent acquisitions and signings, it seems like the Cowboys were building their front seven, um, and their front seven is going to generate a lot of pressure because of their secondary needs. They have a lot of secondary needs, and they're very young in their secondary, and I think the Cowboys were depending on their front seven to make a lot of plays. But with the lack of depth that you have, um, I, I, I talked about Demarcus Lawrence. I think I talked about Demarcus Lawrence and how, like, I think, I think I said it last week. Demarcus Lawrence getting paid too much money to only have five sacks. He's getting paid too much money to only have five sacks. He need to have more than five sacks. And that's, I talked about that last week. So I don't know what this Cowboys defense looked like. And that's what makes me very eerie of the Cowboys when people said, "Oh, this team should do this. This team should win this amount of games." And I'm like, "Should they really?" Offensively, I think they're going to be potent. Um, but they were offensively according to the you know, looking at their numbers last year, offensively they were they were good. But defensively, they couldn't stop the run. Um, they couldn't get they, getting, they couldn't get teams and offenses off the field on third downs. So I don't know what to expect with this Cowboys defense, and that's what that that's why I have a question mark beside the Cowboys. That's why I feel I feel I feel much more better with betting on the Eagles. I feel better with betting on the Eagles. When people say oh, oh, who you got in NFCs, like I'm 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 my, my my meter, I'm leaning more towards Philadelphia. They have less holes. Philadelphia has less holes. Cowboys secondary needs. We still got to see with Dak. Like, is Dak really the problem? Like, it's a it's a possibility that Dak can underperform this year. Defense lacks depth, and when we're, and when we're, when we're comparing them to the Eagles in the NFC East, Philly has their quarterback. Philly Doug Peterson, great coach. Philly has a good front office. Philly isn't Philly, Philly isn't top heavy. Philly Philly's. Solve their secondary needs. Like I, I've been talking about this all off season. This is why I'm giving for, for right now. Just this just, just for right now. I haven't made my final predictions yet, but for right now, Philadelphia throughout the off season, they they filled their needs. They had gaps in their roster, and they filled them. They, they like Philadelphia had serious problems in their roster and their secondary. Philadelphia had problems with their receiving core. They solved those problems. They went out and solved those problems in the draft. The Cowboys, they had secondary issues. They didn't really solve them. The Cowboys didn't really solve their issues. They didn't, they didn't fill the void with their holes. And that's why right now, for right now, I'm leaning more towards Philadelphia to win the NFC East. And the Gerald McCoy. It may seem like a small injury, and he's a veteran. He's older guy, but I, you know, I thought he could. I thought he could bring some juice um, in that interior line. I thought he could be really impactful. But now he, he's not gonna have any impact because he's not playing. And I think I think that's I think that's gonna hurt the Cowboys because they lack depth. They lack depth, and they're paying it because they're paying so many guys so much money. They you know they got to take the, they have to take these risk on veterans and, and guys that have shaky personalities. That's just not in the business that you want to be in. Look at the look at the Ravens. If the Ravens today, if 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 let's just say if Marcus Peters, I'm not wishing injury on nobody, I'm gonna knock on wood. I don't wanna I don't wanna wish risk um wish any, any injury on anybody. But let's just say Marcus Peters went down with injury. Baltimore secondary would still be fine. They, you know, there's, there's, you know, you know, some people are saying 16 and 0. I think that would come down. <laughs> people have, people have some high expectations for Baltimore, but Baltimore still be fine because they're not paying anybody. Baltimore, Baltimore's haven't paid Ronnie Stanley. Baltimore hasn't paid Lamar yet. Baltimore hasn't paid Marlon Humphrey yet. Like they still have guys that are still on their rookie deals. Baltimore's not paying, Baltimore's not top heavy like the Cowboys. And like I said. I often compare this cowboy situation to the Rams. The Rams, a couple years back, Penn, you know, went out going to get to leave going to go. Marcus Peters, that you know over overpaid for Brandon Cooks, paid Todd Gurley early. I'm like, uh, you know, they overpaid for Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks is third receiver. He was the third receiver. They had they had Cooper Cup and um and Robert Woods. They didn't have to overpay for Brandon Cooks. Pay talk early, early. You you paying time. You paying big time money to you know to these players. And for, to be quite honest, the Cowboys they're paying big time money to really good players. Like you pay you pay you pay great money to great players. The Cowboys are paying great money to really good players. Like Amari Cooper is not a great receiver. He's getting paid like one. Demarcus Lawrence is—he's he, a—he's 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 a really really good player. He ain't—he ain't Miles Garrett. He ain't Joey Bosa. He ain't Nick Bosa. Like it's a difference. It's a—it's it, 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 a—it's a clear, distinct difference. And Cowboys are paying really good players great money. That's the problem. Like I always talk about it. In the NBA, like in NFL, this is why I like the NFL so much. Because like with GMs, I know it has to be so difficult with GMs and when it comes to these contracts and paying certain guys. Because often in the NFL you see, you know, you see certain teams pay really good players great money. And with the restrictions with the NFL salary cap. You can't afford to do that. You can't afford to pay a, a, a good player great money. You can't. You can't afford to do that. In the NBA, you can afford to do that. Like, you could, like in the NBA, you can afford to overpay an all-star. Like, you know, the, the all-star that you're paying, he's not really a su- he's not really a superstar, but he's getting paid like one. You can afford to do that in the NBA to a certain extent. Because there's so many loopholes around the salary cap and the you know the luxury tax, there's so many loopholes that teams in the NBA can generate and find to get around bad contracts. But in, in but in the NFL, there's 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 so many restrictions and it's a hard cap, and that's why I think it's so critical when it when t, when it's time for players to get when, when it's time for certain players to get paid. It's like, uh... Like Amari Cooper. He's a good receiver. He's not a great receiver. But he's getting paid like one. He's getting paid like one. He's not a great receiver. He's not a great receiver. And I like Amari Cooper. But he's not a great receiver. He's a number one for the Cowboys. But he's not a great receiver. He's a good receiver that's getting paid a great amount. In in the NFL, you can't afford to do that. And the Cowboys... Have two con. They have at least two contracts just like that. Demarcus Lawrence, he's a he's a good pass rusher, but he's not Miles Garrett and he's not Joey Bosa. He's not Nick Bosa. <laughs> he's just not. He's he, he's he, he's not. He's not as good as the Bosa brothers, and he's not Miles Garrett. But he's getting paid. He he's damn near getting paid like that. He's getting paid a great lump sum. He's getting paid like it. <laughs> I mean, that's what the Cowboys got themselves into. That's what the Cowboys got themselves into, and that is what happens where you you, you when you paying top when you're paying great money to good players, you find yourself having to you know take some risks from some veterans, veterans get inju- get you know, veterans get hurt, injuries happen because it's a part of the game, it's a part of the sport. You get you get you get a tough break. Like Gerald McCoy, that's and that's 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 going to be a tough, impactful loss, boy oh boy. So let's go back to the Lakers and Blazers series, and this is why I think Game One is so important. I deem Game One important, and usually Game One is one of the more important games. I think like like there's a likely. I know there's a stat out there like that says the winner of Game One most likely wins the whole entire series. Yeah, so 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 forth, so forth. But I think this is why game 1 is so important. Because like I said, like I said in the beginning of the podcast of this episode. The Blazers are going to be the Blazers. Like offensively, they're going to they're going to be they're going to be good on offense. They're going to score a lot of points on offense. They're going to get up and down. They're going to they're going to have an up tempo pace. Like the Blazers are going to score points. Dame is going to score, CJ is going to score. Um, Mello, like I said, Mello has been really big in, in some big in some big spots for the Blazers. Gary Trent Jr., he's he's going to shoot well. Uh, and Nurkic is a walking 19-11 points. I think he's one of the more underrated players in basketball. But I think this is what Game 1 is so important for. Because if the Lakers come out and they're hitting open three-point shots... Um, the Blazers can't play defense. Like the Blazers' defense is atrocious. If the Lakers come out hitting open three-point shots, AD's getting it going. Kuzma, Kyle Kuzma, it, 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 he's being more consistent. This will probably be a five or six game. This will probably be a five-game series. Like I'm not, I'm not even kidding. I like, I, I, I like Portland. I like what Dame has been doing. But if the Lakers get back to the way they were playing in the regular season. This would be a five game series. the The, the Blazers they get they get one, and these games will probably be close. They'd be close, but the Lakers. This would be a five game series, uh, and I, I you know. But if the Lakers can't hit open three point shots, if they're shooting ten percent from 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 three point land, Anthony Davis is you know just he's just out of it. Uh, Kyle Kuzma is just. He, he, he like if he looks lost, you know this this would be a seven game series if we see the bubble Lakers. That's why with the Lakers in the bubble, they haven't been playing really they haven't been playing well. They haven't been shooting the ball well. But and I and I know their age and their nutrition could be a problem because as you get older, it's harder to turn on that engine. It's harder you know, for these older players and Lakers have a lot of veterans and the, it's harder for the it's harder for the veterans to turn on that engine. And I don't know with the rest that the excuse me, with the rest that the Lakers have gotten over the last few days. like I, I can't remember the last time the Lakers actually played, but with the rest they got, maybe, maybe that'd be enough to turn their engines on. But I know, you know, if they can get back to that groove when they were back in the regular season, this will probably be a five-game series. And, you know, I, you know, I, Portland's been playing well. It's been a really good run for them. Uh, they've done some good things. Damian Leonard is been, has been the MVP, obviously, um, in the bubble. But if they get back, if the Lakers get back to that, type of basketball, where they're hitting open shots, hitting open threes, then, it, yeah, this series to be over. Over, it would be over quicker than what people think if the Lakers get back to that regular season play. That's why I think game one is so important. That's why I think game one is so, so critical. Game one is so critical. Because I, I'm interested to see what Laker team show up. What Laker squad shows up. Like I know LeBron is gonna be LeBron. Um because defensively Portland don't have nobody that can guard LeBron. They're gonna they're gonna probably have Carmelo Anthony guarding LeBron. So, I mean, we we you know, we'll have to see. We you know, I Carmelo is we all know Carmelo is not the greatest defender. Um some of you guys may say he's a below average defender at thirty six. Um, and LeBron obviously has the advantage over him. So, I don't know. I I don't know. But, I think game one, I think game one is, this is, this is why game one is so important. Because I have to see, I I can tell where this series is going to go after game one. I can tell. If the Lakers play good, they shoot the ball well, I'm like, okay. The Lakers will probably win this in five or six games. But if it's, if it's rough, if it's, you know, Lakers can't hit threes. If they're shooting 10%. From downtown, uh, it's going to be a long series. It's going to be a seven-game series, and Portland definitely has a chance. That's why I think, That's what I think about this series, and that's why I think game one is so important. But I did also stress, like I said a couple weeks ago, when a I, when I, m- m- couple weeks ago, or I think it was last week actually, when I pointed out things that I noticed within the bubble, I, I, I told you guys. The championship contending teams, like the teams that we think are going to be competing for titles or for the title, like the Clippers, the Bucks, the Lakers, I told you guys, I didn't think they were taking the bubble quite serious until the playoffs, like Milwaukee, they already had their playoff spot locked up. the Lakers, you know it was a it was a foregone conclusion that they were going to have in one seed. Clippers, that's just that's just that's that's been the Clippers all year long. The Clippers been playing with players all year long, without players all year long. Like the Clippers haven't had a full roster since I don't know when. So like it, it didn't seem like these teams really cared for the eight like for the seeding games. They didn't really care. They looked like they were into it. Clippers looked into it last night. Um, I think the Bucks are playing. They're actually playing right now as we speak, or as I speak. Um, and the Lakers tonight. We'll see how they play in Game One. That's going to be interesting, though. Speaking of championship contenders, um, uh, let's go to the Eastern Conference because we've been talking about the West a lot. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I want to talk about the Celtics and the Bucks, but let's first talk about Milwaukee. Milwaukee, um, I, I you know, they Giannis came out and he was he, he came out very frustrated. He was, you know, he's he's frustrated with the way how Milwaukee's been playing and defensively. They quite haven't been the same um, defensively. Defensively, they quite haven't been the same. Wonky has not been the same defensively, and I've been talking about like as a they don't have one standout individual defender except for Giannis, but everybody else, they're 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 everybody else on their on their team is they're not great defenders as but as a unit as a defensive unit. They're pretty good, and they got a lot of length. I think their length helps them. Um, they got length on the wings. They got length inside with Giannis and the two Lopez brothers. They they can present a lot of problems, but as individual defenders, Milwaukee, I don't. I, they're not great. Um, also, when I see Milwaukee in close games, I still have an eerie feeling. Like I, I still have I, I still worry about them. When they're in close games and, you know, going down the stretch. Because do we really trust Chris Middleton? Giannis, Giannis is not a great ball handler. Giannis is not a great shooter. So, like, he can't create his own shot. Um, you know, like, if there's a big shot that needs to be taken, I, I, I rarely see Giannis take that shot for the Milwaukee Bucks. It's either Chris Middleton or one of the Bucks shooters. I don't see Giannis taking that big shot for them. I need to see more. I don't know. I don't know what the Bucks could do, but I, I need to see. I need to see more efficient and effectiveness um, down the stretch uh, as far as their offense. I need to see more efficiency. Uh, you know, I, I, I just worry about them. Uh, and I'm not saying they can't get out the Eastern Conference. I don't think they're going to win the title. I think either—I think both L.A. teams are capable of beating the Bucs. And I think if, you know, if the Lakers were to play the Bucs in the finals, I think the Lakers would win. If the Clippers were to play the Bucs in the finals, I think the Clippers would win. I I don't I don't think—I don't think the Bucs can beat neither L.A. team. But uh, the, the Eastern Conference, I mean, it's wide open this year. And I've talked about this. This is why—it's a, it's a lot of pressure on Milwaukee to make the finals this year because— Looking out east, like I like Toronto. I love Toronto. I like how they play. I respect them as champions. They have championship grit, championship metal. That backcourt with uh, with Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry, they are they are they are as as feisty as it get. Small guards, but they are feisty as hell. Uh, Pascal Siakam. He's a good two-way guy. Nick Nurse is one of the best coaches, if not the best coach in basketball. But, come on, there's no Kawhi. Boston, I love Brad Stevens. Uh, I'm going to get to them more. I'm going to talk about Boston more. Love Tatum's game. Love Jalen Brown. You know, behind Kawhi and PG, I think the Celtics might have the best wing duo with Tatum and Jalen Brown. So you know, this the these, the conference is wide open for Giannis. There's no LeBron, there's no Durant, there's no Kawhi. Young, come on, Giannis is the best player in this conference. He should get out the Eastern Conference. He should get out. But I'm wary of them. I'm shaky of them, and I think they're playing as we speak right now. I'm not sure. So, so I'm not. I'm not sure of the score. But I think they're playing as I'm speaking. Um, so let's move on to the Celtics. I want to move on to the Celtics and talk about the 76ers game. Um, the Celtics, uh, I love them. I love I love the elements that the Celtics have. I love I love Jason Tatum's emergence and him rising as a superstar. I love Jalen Brown's emergence of, with his all-around offensive game, him already being a really good defender. But then him getting in his bag offensively, like Jay, like Jalen Brown, boy, oh boy, you know. We talk about most improved players, and like, but this guy has really taken some leaps offensively. The way how he's able to create his shot, he's a he's a he's a, he's turned into a really good three point shooter. Uh, i, I Kemba, we all know how great of a shot maker he is. Kemba's a great playmaker. And I, I love the leadership and the vibe that he brings with the Celtics. Unlike past Celtics point guards, I don't want—I don't want to say names—but uh, I love the vibe and the leadership that he brings. Um, and, and Brad Stevens is great as well. And they're deep, but I worry about their size. And I always have said this about the Celtics: I worry about their size. I like how deep they are. Love the energy that Marcus Smart brings. I think Marcus Smart and Daniel Tice, I think they're I think they're the the two unsung heroes. Like we always hear about Tatum and Kimba and and Brown and, and Gordon Hayward and he's out. We're gonna talk about that. But we don't talk about Marcus Smart and Daniel Tice nearly enough, I don't think. Um but if the Celtics had somebody like Andre Drummond who could who could control the middle. In the mid, like the middle part of the floor, he can control the inside. If they had somebody like that, the Celtics—I—I I, I would pick them to go to the finals. And, 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 and you know, and I wouldn't be as—I wouldn't be so hesitant. But I worry about the Celtics' lack of size, and you saw it a little bit less last night with with Embiid. Embiid—he was aggressive early. He asserted himself early. But I want to move on to the Celtics. I mean, to the 76ers and Embiid. And, and Bede, he was aggressive. But Embiid, as, you know, critical times, at opportune times, when the 76ers needed a bucket, he didn't give it to them. He, he, You know, he didn't, he didn't want to post up. And Embiid always, for some reason, he always looks out of shape. I, like when is when is Joel Embiid ever going to get in shape? He doesn't look in shape. And that's the that's the commitment level that I always speak to. You you got to be committed. You have to be committed. And that's the commitment level that I speak to with Joel Embiid. He never seems full committed, 100% in. He doesn't seem in shape. Like he don't look in shape. He look he looked tired yesterday. He looked out of shape and tired yesterday, um, and hopefully Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward he suffered a, a, a grade three sprain. He's going to be out for four weeks. That's going to be a big blow for the Celtics because he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a guy. He's not the he's not the first or second or or third option, but he's a guy that can score and drop twenty on any given night in the Celtics. He was playing well. He felt more confident. You know that's a big loss. That's a big loss for the Celtics. Today was a good pod. Uh, I really enjoyed this one. Um, With college football, so I'm I'm just going to touch base on college football um, to to, to end the pod. Uh, NBA playoffs on tonight. Go watch that. Go tune in to that. But college football, I feel like, you know, with this COVID-19 in college football, I feel like there's a lot of hypocrisy uh, I think in different regions, there's different situations. Uh, you know, I, it seems like, like down South, I know I got a lot of friends down South who, 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 who's going to schools in North Carolina, going to school in Florida, going to school in Tennessee, going to, going to school in all these Southern states. And they're, they're allowing, they're allowing kids on campus. Most of these schools down South. Um, and I, I would I would suspect that they're going to have football. Um, Clemson, I, I think Clemson's going to have football. I think Florida and Alabama's going to have football. I think LSU going to have football. Um, and you know, I, I, I get that COVID is dangerous, obviously. And I, and I said this last week. I don't want to diminish the fact that COVID is not dangerous because it is da- it's very dangerous. But if it's that dangerous, then why? I mean, because. I don't understand because if it's if COVID is dangerous and we all know COVID we're in a pandemic if we you know we've been we're very we're taking COVID very seriously at least we should then why are schools allowing non-athletes back on campus because non-athletes, non-athletes are, are, are they're more they're much more likely to get it not non-quote unquote non-athletes. Are, are are much more vulnerable to getting COVID. So why why in the world are colleges letting students back on campus? And and then you're telling me that college football can't be played? It's just a lot of hypocrisy. It's a it, it's a lot of hypocrisy. Also, you allow these players to go back home. You you realize you can catch it. You, like you can catch it anywhere. You can catch it at home or or, or on campus. But if the athlete, if a college football player was to catch covid it, it, it they're going they're going to get treated they're going to be surrounded by medical professionals forever it went you know and then if you look at it versus if they're back at home and they catch it it's not a completely it's not a guarantee that they get checked by a medical professional it, it's just, I, and I, you know it's it's just a difficult situation like i said college football. It generates way too much money to not have a leader, to not have a CEO, to not have a president. Like college football generates too much money on a yearly basis to not to not have a to not have some type of leader. You have, like I said, you have different conferences fighting for different things. Uh, Conferences, uh, you have rival conferences, conferences trying to up the other. It's just too much, and I think if they had a leader, a lot of these things would be in place. I think, I I think whether or not we have, we, we, you know, us having a college football season would be in place. But I think it also speaks to one uh, speaks to another problem that college football has. It's a regional problem. I mean, down south, it matters more. That's that's literally the SEC's. That's that's their saying. That's their saying it matter it matters more and you know i think college football will be played north carolina they have their regular schedule set alabama like all these eight all these acc schools a lot of these scc schools they're playing i told you guys the acc a lot of this most of their schools are down south clemson north carolina florida state miami there, there's not a lot of ACC northern schools. You, 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 I mean, the, the, up the north schools you're talking about is what, uh, Pitt and um, Boston College. A lot, a lot of it's not a lot of it's not a lot of upstate ACC schools. A lot of those ACC schools are in the south. In the south, they're playing. Could you imagine a city like, or could you imagine a, a county or a town? Similar to Baton Rouge, could you imagine? Could you imagine Baton Rouge not profiting off of LSU football? That that's the, that's that's Baton Rouge. That's their entire economic makeup. Could you imagine that? And then also like, they're they're safer playing. Like, get this: the players are much safer playing and being monitored by medical professionals. And we have like there's so many higher ups in college football, like every time we have a situation within college football, we have higher ups. We have athletic directors. We have presidents of these conferences that, you know, they they, they often say we we you know, we want to listen to the players and their parents. And well, their players have came out and said, we want to play. Parents are like, hey, let the kids play. And all of a sudden, the higher ups are like, "Nah, you know what? You know, we're gonna flip the switch. No, we're we're not doing that. It, it, you know, it's just I feel like there's a lot of hypocrisy. Um, you know, when when these players at at home, they're they they're, they're they're just as much they're just as likely to get sick, but only half as likely to get treated properly. That's how I look at this thing." Athletes, if they go home they're like they're they're as likely to get sick at home, but only half as likely to get treated properly that's how that's that's how I look at it and if you're like if you just if you just think it's just like a moral thing if it's a moral thing for you to do okay I get it you don't you don't want the players playing but it's it it, it I, this is why I think it's hypocrisy because Okay. You have colleges all around the country. They have they have they have students, regular students. That's not athletes. Mind you, athletes are less likely to catch it more than they they're less likely to catch it than non-athletes. So, these schools are letting non-athletes back onto their campus and like everybody knows or most people know, college is it's a party town. Kids are going to party. Kids are gonna go out. Kids are gonna have social gatherings, but campuses are allowing non-athletes to come back to campus, but not allowing athletes to play football. <laughs> like if, if 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 colleges just came out, if, if if schools just came out and said, "Hey, it's all online. It's all on, it's all online classes. Students are not gonna be on campus, and there's no sports." Okay, I'm good. I I would be good. But here's where the hypocrisy comes into the play. Campuses are allowing non-athletes back onto campus but not allowing athletes not to play football. Like they're like you you're saying athletes who are less likely to catch it, can't play football who are less likely to catch it. Can't play football, but non-athletes who are much more likely to catch it Sorry. Um, who are less, my, my bad, who are less likely to catch it. They're playing football. They can't play football, but athletes, but students who are just regular students that they, they, they come back on campus. It's just hypocrisy. It's a lot of hypocrisy. Sorry. I had somebody call me, but like I was saying, I think there's a lot of hypocrisy. I think there's a lot of hypocrisy. Um, in schools, they're allowing regular students back on campus who are more likely to catch it but then not allowing not not allowing not allowing athletes who are less likely to catch it not to play football. It's it's just hypocrisy. Um but I'm going I'm going to conclude this podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in, listening to another episode of the IKP. Um like I said, new schedule uh, in full effect next week. NBA playoffs, we are in it. I can't wait. Uh, we've been good. I mean, this has been good. I'm, I'm just, I'm just, you guys don't realize how thrilled and how happy I am that I actually have sports topic and I have like sports content. Like I didn't, like it was for, it was for a great length of time where I didn't have any content and I was just like, I had to go find it. Like there's just content right in front of me. Like, boy, oh boy, that's such a relief. But thank you guys for tuning in to another I- to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. Uh always always remember two choices, one decision, out, I'm um, deuces, gone, bye, see y'all, bye. throughout the week as these playoff games are going on and the playoff games have been great i've been enjoying the playoffs but we live in such a recency bias world like the internet is so it, you know it, there's so much recency bias i see it throughout the memes and the memes are pretty funny and you know the laker fans were were heated after they lost game one that was funny that was that was funny um but of course you guys already know what we're talk about today We're talking about the NBA playoffs. The Lakers came coming off a big win. Uh, I know some people are happy. I'm gonna tell you why. Don't get too happy so fast. I'm gonna tell you what the Lakers need to do and how they need to play. Um, But I can't wait. Um, But that's what I realized. I realized we live in a recent like. There's so much recency bias. So much recency bias. But let's kick this Friday off right. Uh, this is a Friday pod. Friday pod, so you know, Friday pods, we go up another level. So we about to do it. we about to turn it up. Let's go. Let's get it. Let's get it. Are you the goat, boy? Okay, we're going to do this. Let's go. Let's go. Friday podcast, episode 148. Episode 148. Episode 148 of the IKP. I don't want to rap. No, I ain't going to do it. I ain't gonna do it. Um, so let's get into it. Let's get into it. I'ma let this rock for a little bit though. I'ma let this rock. Hope, er- hope everybody out there is doing well. Shout out to all the listeners. Shout out to all the supporters. Shout out to all the people that spread that's been spreading this podcast. We've been doing good. Thank you for all the reviews. living in some tough times, but we got sports back. We are living in some tough times, like I said, but we have sports back. A lot going on in the world. A lot is going on in the world, but we got sports back, and I think that's a bright note. So let's start with that. Welcome back to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast, the IKP, episode 148 of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. I'm your humbled and highly favored uh, host, Isaiah Kitt. We're going to be starting, you know, NBA playoffs. You know who it is. NBA playoffs. You know what we're talking about. You know what we're about to get into. So, um, last night, uh, the Lakers won 88 to 1. The Lakers won 88 to 111. Um, and the Lakers played well. This is, I, I must say, this was last night's game with the Lakers. That was the best game the Lakers have played in the bubble. Defensively, they were great uh offensively that's been their issues like they they have struggled offensively um and mainly behind the three point line they you know they hit they hit about 30 they hit about 36 37% of their three point shots last night which is um it, it, that that's pretty good it's it's way better than 15% and i like i told people all throughout this week i said the lakers are not going to win a championship su- shooting 15% behind the three-point line. You're not going to win a championship. You're not going to win a playoff series shooting 15% from the three-point line. So I am glad that the Lakers, they upped that percentage because that is a big part. But what I did, what I, they still have problems, though. They still have problems. And, I, and what I've been talking about, about Anthony Davis, what I've been talking about with the Lakers, it, 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 even though that, even though that they won yesterday and they won pretty convincingly, Uh, it proves my point. Like I got, I told you guys, Anthony Davis talented as hell, Anthony Davis, you can make a case that Anthony Davis is the most talented player in basketball. You can make the case, not saying that he is, but you can make the case. But once again, he showed you how talented he was. He gave you everything last night. He gave you the blocks. He gave you the defense. He gave. He showed you his, his ball handling. He showed you his jump shot. He showed you his athleticism. Anthony Davis showed you all these abilities and skills, and they, he just—I mean—he showed off his talent, and that was all good and gravy. And, he, and if he continues to do that, the Lakers will have a, a. The Lakers will have a damn good shot to win the title. But that was a. 30-point blowout. The Lakers' biggest lead yesterday was 33 points. The game wasn't close. The Portland Trail Blazers came out flat. The Blazers were flat last night. And I talked about this earlier this week on on the previous podcast. I said I was predicting it for game one, but it happened in game two where I said Portland has been playing playoff games for the last two weeks. Damian Leonard has been playing some big minutes. And he got hurt yesterday with the with the index finger, and that's kind of a freak injury, but he got hurt. And what I said, what, what did I say on the previous podcast? I said, hey, I wouldn't be surprised if Portland, you know, came out flat. And that's they, they didn't, they, you know, they won game one, but in game two, they were flat. They didn't play with a lot of energy. Defensively, uh, not, wasn't there. So, but let's go back to the Lakers. I already know Anthony Davis is talented. What Anthony Davis did, what he did last night, did not surprise me. What he did last night did not surprise me. Now, because Davis Caldwell Pope coming out shooting four for five, and three, like okay, that's a bit surprising because you went zero for nine, but it was due. It, it was it was about time. It was about damn time he had a good shooting game. It was about damn time he had a good shooting game. So, but with Anthony Davis, uh, this is not surprising. This I know he's talented. I know he can score. I know he can play defense. I know. Only, I know all of these things, but the game wasn't close last night, so I was not able to evaluate him in the fourth quarter because the game wasn't close. The game wasn't close, and I mean that's good. But every playoff game is not going to be like that. Like like, especially as you advance, like you know, you, you, second round against the Rockets, it won't be games like that. Uh, the Clippers and the conference, it won't be games like that. As you go deeper into the playoffs, it won't be games like that. And I'm pretty sure in game three, I don't think the Blazers are going to play that low. I don't think the Blazers are going to come out that flat in game three. But like I said, the Lakers, um, they did what they're supposed to do last night. They came out with a lot of energy. I think this was the best game they played in the bubble. Since they have arrived in Orlando, this is the best game they have played. Um, now, the Lakers, these are their strips. These, I'm gonna tell you the things the Lakers need to do in order to win a title. These are the things they need to do. The Lakers are not a great offensive team. The, the Lake, I mean, it, it, it's 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 so it's so it's so evident. They're not a great offensive team. The Lakers are not going to outscore anybody. They're just not. They're just not.